Welcome to our third episode of Real Talk. We're joined here with our first guest of our series. Seated or right next to me is Nikki or Nicole. What are we going with for this one? Take your pick. Take you your guys pick. can call me Nikki. I think we'll go with Nikki for this one. Um, I'm a little nervous about this one because I think we're taking some um, some of the gloves off. Uh, in this episode, we're looking to dive into the family aspect of law enforcement and getting the take of somebody who sees our profession from the outside in. Uh, and we were fortunate enough to get a trifecta on this one. So I'll let you introduce yourself. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Dad, if you want to say hi to everybody and uh, kind of what you're looking to get out of Nikki as far as uh, expectations for her view of the world uh, through our law enforcement lens. What's up, everybody? Um, I think what I'm looking to get out of this conversation is honesty um, and I guess the truth, because, again, in this profession, we don't see what our families go through when they're married to or have siblings or parents that are in law enforcement. Uh, as a law enforcement officer, we only see it as, at least for me, the glory side of the job and enjoying the job and wanting to go to work and uh, feeling like I never worked a day in my life, you know, the whole thing. But from the family aspect, it's, it's a lot different and either we don't see it or we refuse to see it. So I'm just trying to get some honesty out of the conversation and hopefully there's other people out there that, well, I hope they're not, but, if there's other people out there that are experiencing the same thing, hopefully this conversation can help them a little bit. So I, I did say that Nikki was the trifecta. Um, and what I mean by that is she is the child of a police officer, the sibling of a police officer, and now she is married to a police officer. So she has a lot of different experiences with attitude <laughs> Cop attitude. Cop attitude. <laughs> so, so go ahead. Um, I, I will start. We'll start with for me the the first memory I have of, of law enforcement with dad um, was him actually getting hired as a cop. We were away on vacation. Do you remember this or no? You're too young. No, I think I was like three when he was hired, so I really don't remember those days too well. Um, but I got plenty of other memories. <laughs> So my memory, again, he had interviewed, we were away on vacation. He, he showed up to vacation late. Uh, and that was our first dose of law enforcement, which pretty much paved the road because family vacations, family functions, birthdays, all that stuff. And that, that was literally my crowning moment into it. Uh, what, what was your, what did you first remember? I don't know that I would say it was like a first memory for me. Um, cause again, like I was so young when he started, but just something that always stuck with me was like, I don't have one dad. Like I have a whole department of dads and, you know, like everyone was, had my back and, um, I, I don't, it's, it's hard to explain, but like, as like the daughter of a police officer and growing up, you just 
you have so many people looking out for you and watching over you, even if like you don't think that they're there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I have one specific fond memory of the beginning of his career, just because again, I was so young, but I, that's just something that has really stuck with me. My experience as far as growing up under uh, the same roof, obviously with that, um, I loved when he came home and he would tell me the stories about uh, what he had done, did for a shift. And I mean, I like the good, the bad, the ugly. Like I liked every aspect of it. Is that something that you kind of appreciated or you wanted nothing to do with that? And is it, maybe this is like, so essentially those stories fed me or fueled me to, to pursue my career yeah. and pursue my journey. Uh, that pushed me in this direction. Uh, Dad, I don't know if you remember this or not. Again, I've referenced this a few times. I have a mind like an elephant. We were putting up Christmas lights. I think I was 15 at the time and we were on the roof of your house. And you said, I, you you said, I don't care if you become a police officer. I don't want you to become a police officer. You can do whatever you want. You can flip burgers. You can pick up trash. You can be a rocket scientist. Doesn't matter to me as long as you're happy. Um, So never once did he push me in that direction, but coming home and telling me those stories, um, made me made me go that way yeah um I definitely remember you know all of the dinners that we had and you know it was always cop talk and you know I don't really want to jump too much because I know you know we haven't really hit you yet you know oh uh, uh, we're gonna transition. yeah okay well. but you know it was just always the conversation at dinner was always, you know, work stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, first of all, I don't know who you're talking about or, you know, what, what's really happening here. But I mean, it was just, you know, always something that was expected at our dinner. And, you know, it it wasn't necessarily a bad thing. It definitely brought a lot of perspective into my life, I guess, because, as a family member, um, you see things in a different light, just like police do themselves. Um, so they kind of, you know, it, it teaches you things. But uh, on the other end of it, when you're hearing it all the time, it just gets like sickening. Yeah, for a be- lack of better words, annoying because <laughs> you're just like, okay, like it, here we go again. Um, but I mean, and then you also see like the ugly side of things and kind of is, can be scary, especially for, you know, a younger child. Not that I'm saying that you guys put so much out there that, you know, I knew ins and outs of everything, but you know, it just, you just look at things differently. You mean like the stories that you come home and talk about? Yeah. The actual behavior attitude of us. (laughs) Both. (laughs) (laughs) You want to weigh in on that? No, go ahead. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep, keep laying it out there. Well, I, I, we still all lived on the same roof when I got hired um, as a police officer. I was 18 when I started part-time and then full-time I was 20, 21 breaking that threshold. So I was still home. Did you notice kind of a, um, a shift with me with that or? Um, a little bit. I mean, you were always a jerk to me. You're just, you know, you're my older brother and I guess that's your job. But as the years went on, yeah, I definitely saw a shift and I saw your personality change a little bit. How Um, so? You just, 
I, I, my gosh, it's so hard to explain. I guess you were just more. Well, I'll, I will help. And if you're trying to hold back, I'm, I'm, again, I said when we opened up this episode that I was a little nervous because I think the gloves are coming off. But um, at one point, I'd like to uh, hear mom's perspective of, of this whole thing. And she says it to me time and time again that prior to becoming a police officer, I was this happy-go-lucky, very uh, enjoyable person to be around. And now she tells me that I'm cold. Yeah, um, I could definitely agree with that. Um, I would just say you're maybe more short-fused. Um, it's hard because I don't live with you anymore. But It's hard to remember. Yeah. Um, well, not only that, but you now have a husband who's a police officer. Yeah, who exactly. Try not to compare you know, tit for tat, but I remember more dad than I do, I guess you and how things were with you. I don't want to keep beating me up, but, um, so I, <laughs> well, <don't worry>, <laughs> yeah. so I've uh, been in law enforcement now for 14 years. Um, have you seen over those 14 years, uh, we had previously talked about in episodes, different phases of law enforcement have like from me being a younger cop, have you seen a, a shift now even more? Well, you know, that I'm older, I'm halfway through my career at this point. Yeah. I mean, a good way to, I guess, kind of relate to it is when we go on vacation, I cannot live with you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like we cannot have a house together when we're on vacation for a week because you're, an asshole. Am I allowed to say that on here? Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it, so you're, you think that as I'm getting older, I'm getting worse. I mean, from, you know, my latest, more recent experiences. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, now I just talk to you, like check in with you or family functions or things like that. So like, I can't attest to how you are right now, but if I were to go spend a week on vacation with you, then I might be able to tell you something different. But as of a few years ago, when we did go on vacation for a week together before we decided this is not happening, this isn't working, I would say, yeah, I noticed a shift. Like you were just hard-headed and cranky and hard to talk to. I don't have an excuse uh, well, I, I have plenty of excuses for that, but uh, huh. it's a different. Uh, well, I will also say too, you know, like the more I started dating, I also saw it then too. I felt like, you know, of course you're always going to be the older brother protective guy, but I just feel like as a police officer as well, on top of that, like you were always extra protective because you just saw people in a different light. You knew what was out there. You knew what people were capable of. And of course, you know, you wanted the best for me, um, but you always had your guard up and, you know, that's okay. But it also was a little bit frustrating because I'm like, you know, you need to just give people a chance. I, I understand that. I guess as I've progressed through my life, um, compare that to my like law enforcement life. Um, I've just seen so much negativity that it's, it's, it's uh, hardened me, hardened me over. Um, there was, there's kind of one thing and, and we 
have touched on this before, like the way I am with, with my kids. Um, and sometimes you, maybe you don't agree with it, um, but there's a reason for that. And not to like shift the conversation into like a morbid thing or whatever, but did you know for the first, when I was 21, four years old, I, I saw my first uh, child killed. Like, did you know that? No, no. Like I sat with a child in front of me and, you know, you know, essentially it was a reality check to me at 24 years old that life is super fragile. Yeah. And that was, that was a critical point. And what I'm getting at is as I've progressed through my career, I've had so many of those critical shifts um, and they've, they've changed me. I'm trying. That's part of the reason why we're doing this. I'm trying to look at everything in an optimistic lens as opposed to a pessimistic lens. But as I continue through my career and I see these things, um, it's, it's really, I'm fighting an uphill battle. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can sit here and say, I understand, but like, no, I don't understand as my husband always says, you don't understand. No, I don't understand as in I can relate to it, but I understand as in like, I get it. I know what you're saying. I understand that you see things differently. I understand that a lot of the things that you see and you encounter aren't things that we're familiar with. There's so many things that you guys see and go through in one shift that we have no idea about. You know, you could come home and we could say, oh, how was work? Oh, it was fine. But was it really? You know, you could have seen that child dying or whatever it may be. And we just would never know because more than likely you don't want to talk about it. Right. Well, if I could jump in there, it kind of goes back to you said when you guys were younger and we'd sit at the table and tell stories about police work. Well, part of that as a young cop is, yeah, it's. It's the excitement. It's like, oh, I chased a bad guy or, you know, I, I saved somebody from a burning building or whatever. And, you know, they're, they're the good stories, but sometimes you just want to tell somebody your story. Like you don't want to get into what you really, really saw out there. Um, so you might give like a, a more abbreviated version, but it's just something you want to get off your chest you know, I don't care if you're a cop for six months or 16 years or 26 years or 36 years. Um, very early on in your career, you begin to get PTSD. And we don't want to admit it, but it's something that comes with the territory, I guess you could say. So when people say you don't understand, you really don't because you don't live it. You, like I... I could sit here and say I have PTSD from being a police officer, but I don't know if that's the same PTSD as someone who's in the military. You know, I mean, people compare the two, but I really don't think they are comparable. You know, I mean, a military uh, person sees things that I may never see in my lifetime and vice versa. So I don't know if PTSD is a, a, a blanket term for everyone and everyone feels the same way I don't know but I do know that we all go through it we all experience it throughout our entire career and as we get further along in our career we see more and more and more bad things you know we see 
people losing their lives, people taking someone else's life, you know, and it wears on you after a while. And the most unfortunate part about this is we consider you guys our loved ones, but is there also our punching bags? Like we take everything out on you because we can't take it out on anybody else. And people laugh at, or not laugh, but they get angry if they see police officers out on a scene and they're laughing and joking. Well, I can assure you, I'm not laughing and joking because somebody just lost just lost their life. I'm laughing and joking because I'm trying to deal with it as well. I'm trying and, to main, maintain my own sanity. That just exactly. happened. To, that just happened to me a couple of shifts ago. Did it? Yeah. People I, don't understand that. Like people's people will see a car crash and they're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe that happened." Well, I saw five of them tonight, or or ten of them in the past year. Look ahead. I'm sorry. No, I I was. Uh, faced with a um i don't say traumatic incident i guess it, it would be a traumatic incident for for anybody with, you know not dealing with it uh over the weekend and i found myself uh talking to one of the other officers and we were just we weren't joking but we were we were laughing we were talking about normal life and uh it was, it was just it's just my way i release like i release so to kind of piggyback off of that and you know from me I can also say that, you know, obviously I am not the one on the job. I don't, I'm not affected by it like you are, but on the other hand, you coming home, telling these stories, you know, actually making me see what is out there. People are, you know, crazy things like that. Um, It makes me, you know, like, For example, I was at work one day and somebody was telling me like a story that they had and they thought it was so crazy. Like they encountered something like with the police or whatever. And they thought it was just so crazy. And I was just like, oh yeah, that's nuts or something. And they're like, you don't think that's crazy? And I'm, you know, I'm like, well, I hear stuff like this all the time and things that are even worse. So I'm not trying to not be sympathetic, but like, it's not like I've, I've heard worse, I guess makes me react to things differently too, but in a different way. Piggybacking off of that, which now that I'm out of the profession, I'm starting to see my perspective as a parent and not so much as a police officer. Like when I was a police officer and I would work, I felt like I was keeping my son safe because I was out there with him. I knew what was going on. You know, I was in harm's way with him, but when you're out there doing a job, you don't look at it that way. You look at it like, I just got to get the job done. You know, I'm not really too concerned with my safety. I'll be fine. And that's, you want to be cautious and you want to be careful, but you you can't have the mindset that I'm not going in there. I'm not going to do that um, because it's your job and you have to do that. But being out there as a fellow police officer, I felt more confident. I felt more comfortable being out there with him. But now that I don't have a radio at home, you know, I don't get the play by plays anymore because I'm retired. I start to see things from a parent's perspective. And now I'm starting a whole new level of PTSD from a parent's perspective. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm worrying um, when my son goes to work, I worry when my son-in-law goes to work, you know, what are these guys getting into? And then at the same time, they both tell me stories. You know, I, I locked this guy up for this. I, you know, I got a guy that was involved in a homicide, 
you know, and the cop part of me is like, oh, wow, that's pretty, pretty good job, you know, really, really good job. But then the parent side of me is like, oh, I hope they were careful out there, you know. And again, for me being somebody who was a trainer my whole career, you know, I'm automatically thinking, well, were you guys safe out there? You know, I'm going to sound like a parent. Were you guys doing your tactics the right way? This, that, and the other thing. And it's just, it's a different perspective. But again, now I'm starting to see it from your point of view more so than their point of view. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes that makes 100%. I mean, yeah, and you know, I will say we can't understand you and what you're going through, but you also can't understand what we feel and the toll that it takes on us. Well, I yeah. beg to differ uh, only because now I, I can't say as a uh, a spouse, because obviously that that's a different thing, but as a child, I mean, prior to me becoming a police officer, dad had been a cop for what, 10, 11 years. Um, and I remember, so the shift that he would work was the three to one shift and we wouldn't see him for four days straight because well, you're, you're unique. You're an exception. I understand that, but, but you I, definitely don't get it from a wife's perspective. I, I understand that, but he would work the three to one shift and the only, like we would get up for school. And the only thing that we knew that he was even okay was just, like just seeing him like, you know, that, that was in my morning ritual. I, w- I would get up in the morning, see that he's in his bedroom or whatever. And, and then I kind of knew that everything was okay. Yeah. Or you'd hear the garage come up, um, you know, when he came home or you'd hear the vest come off or you'd hear him walking downstairs, like just something like that. Those little sounds would stick with you and you would like listen for them subconsciously. And then you would be, you know, you'd kind of feel a sigh of relief, even if it's the middle of the night and you're sleeping, you're still, you know, just waiting for that. There was a a birthday of mine. I don't remember how old I was. I think it was in my late teens or maybe even my early twenties that uh, dad, you had gotten called away for a SWAT job. And it was your 21st birthday. I think we're having okay. a dinner here. So <laughs> I, I, rem- <laughs> I remember very, very well. Um, and it was a, a more serious SWAT job. There was, you know, gunfire involved and all that stuff. Um, and I remember going out on my birthday. There was family there to get, try to find a police scanner because I didn't have access to listen to it because it was such a, a terrifying incident. So I again, took radio I, too. you took your radio. Well, obviously, but <laughs> it was such a terrifying experience. And again, you said I am in a unique situation, but I have seen it from the other side. Again, I'm drifting away from it and I don't see it from a spouse's perspective, um, which I know is, is tenfold worse. I mean, even I I also think, you know, throwing SWAT into the mix, too, with dad. Um, I mean, obviously now that's you as well. But from a daughter perspective, you I also remember, you know, the adrenaline, the rushing around the because it's not it's not the same as getting ready for a normal shift. Like it's all quick, quick, quick. And you're like, well, well, what's going on? Like, is everything okay? And you don't know because they can't tell you anything. They can't tell you where they're going. They can't tell you what's happening. So you you just have to hope for the best. Mm-hmm. Well, before we move on to the spouse section. Well, um, I didn't get to talk about dad. Well, go ahead. Knock yourself out. <laughs> get, get, get ahead. We talked a lot about you. So again, I knew going into this that the gloves were coming off. You ready for it? Dad? I'm pretty excited about it. <laughs> all right. All right. So from a daughter. Aside from having an entire police department of fathers, 
it is not easy growing up with a dad as a police officer. Um, but at the same time, it was pretty cool. You know, he he was my hero. And I mean, he still is. But, you know, I was always proud to say, oh, well, my dad's a cop. And, you know, I felt that extra sense of security and protection. And I just thought it was so cool. But, you know, as things in this society transitioned, you know, it kind of got like, are people going to look at me differently or something like that? But yeah, also, you know, I had, I was always the one where I I felt like, you know, if I'm going to a party or doing something, maybe a little risky, although Matt was always the one that got in trouble, but everyone thinks it was me. um, I would always feel like, you know, I had to watch my back a little bit more or like my friends would think like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know that they actually felt this way, but in the back of my head, I'm like, oh my God, like they feel like I'm the cop or I'm going to rat them out or something like that. Um, And again, you know, that might not be the case, but that's just something that was always in the back of my head. I just, I just want to, you know, I'm just sitting back now with my arms folded because it was beat up me session. Now it's beat up you session. (laughs) I'm not beating you up. I'm just being honest. I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's expected like, when you first go to school and you tell your friends, oh, my dad's a police officer, it's, you know, like show and tell. It's the greatest thing. Oh, my dad's a my dad's a police officer. My dad's a firefighter, you know, and everybody's like so like, wow, you're so lucky your dad's a cop. But then as you start getting older, you know, you hope that your kids hang out with other good kids and don't get into trouble. But Let's face it, as kids, we all get in trouble. And you're right. Your friends look at you like, oh, well, you know, if we smoke some weed or we go drinking or whatever, we do this, that, and the other thing, is Nicole going to rat us out to her to her dad? And I totally get it. And it's the same thing when you go to a party or something and all your friends are there. They're afraid to say anything or do anything because they're afraid there's a cop watching over them. Yeah, or, you know, you have those kids that are like speeding around the neighborhood or riding their dirt bikes or something and you're outside yelling at them and like they know you're my dad and, you know, then I feel like, oh, like I feel embarrassed, like, you know, it makes me look bad or, oh my gosh, do I look like a loser or something like that? Like, it's just normal things that go through a kid who's growing up head. I mean, it's it's stressful from from both perspectives because like, as the cop, you're thinking to yourself, well, why are Nicole's friends riding dirt bikes in front of my house? Like, show me a little bit of respect. Don't think because you know a cop or, you know, your your friend's dad's a cop that that gives you free reign to do whatever you want. You're making me look bad. So, of course, I'm going to come at you for it. You know, you're a teenager. You're going to go against your dad because your parents don't know anything and your friends know everything and you're going to side with your friends. It's, it's natural. It's understandable. Uh, Yeah. And then you have, you know, those friends or acquaintances, you know, once it comes time that you're old enough to have your license and they get a ticket or something, and then they're reaching out to you or, you know, they're saying, I know so-and-so and and you're like, you, you don't though, you know me. So, you know, it just, a lot of different touchy areas, but, um, yeah, I mean, also at home, I will say you were definitely more overprotective. Um, 
I don't think you were ever going to let me date. I think, you know, there came a time and I was just like, I'm dating. Like I'm in high school. It's happening. Um, but if it was up to you, I'd probably still be single today. Um, the attitude <laughs> that you had it, you know, I, I saw it towards us, you know, towards mom, like, you know, it's just that you don't know how to turn it off when you, you come home. And, um, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say it, it's hard to turn it off because for 10 hours or 12 hours, however long your shift is, you're in that state. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing with people at their worst and not just one call. It's you get, I don't know, you, you might have 15, 20 calls, just you alone. And I would say of those 15 calls, maybe 12 or 13 of them are all bad. I mean, you know, they're not people getting shot or uh, trapped in a burning building, but they're calling you because they have a problem. They're not calling you because they want to invite you over for lunch. So to be in that state for 12 hours a day, four days a week, and then expect to come home and just turn everything off. It's, it's tough. It really is tough because it becomes a part of you. It just becomes who you are. I'm just curious for uh, like this, there's going to be a little bit like off, not off, but um, for perspective purposes, like how do you envision a day? Like any of us, like, dad your husband me like what what do you envision when we go to when we leave the house what do you think we do like just just paint kind of paint me the picture as to how that they the day on unwinds for us because I, I don't think we've ever talked about that right yeah i mean i don't have much of an idea i mean obviously you go to work you go to briefing and then you hit the road and, you know, you wait for the calls to come in. You take the calls, you do the car stops, you know, you, you look for whatever you got to look for crime wise. I, I, I don't know. I, I, that's just my vision of it, I guess. Um, no, you never actually told me. Um, but you're, you're 26 years into this, uh, this law enforcement side of your, of, well, of our life, but you're 26 years in, and I don't think anybody's ever really taken the no. time to explain to you, which I would say that's an accurate depiction, but that's a very broad. Yeah. I mean, I would say that I pretty much just know it from a broad perspective, you know, writing reports. Um, and I, I know, you know, it depends on the day. Some days are going to be busier or crazier than others. And, it, it just depends, but that's just, I guess I just look at it at, from a broad perspective because I don't really know. Just to, to put it into a little bit more detail, um, and I, I'm obviously a sergeant now, so I don't, this isn't my day anymore, but uh, I would make this comparison as to when I, you know, years ago, how it was for me um, in, in a patrolman's aspect. I go to work, I load up my police car i put all the like the guns in them as far as like you know a rifle if that's what i'm carrying and there's a shotgun in there i'm grabbing an aed in case i have to uh, revive somebody i have to put a shield in my car and this is all before my shift even starts why is the shield in my car well in case i have to enter something where i'm about to get shot so that before i even sit down at my briefing i'm already putting myself in that mental mind frame of where my shift's going to go and those are kind of just a whatever so then I go into that and the commanding officers, whatever they may be, 
uh, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, who, whoever it is that's going to conduct our briefing for that shift, they're breaking down the goods from the day before. They're going over everything from the previous shift. They're telling us what we did right. They're telling us what we did wrong. They're telling us where we need to step things up. Um, and it, it's good and bad on both sides of it. But uh, now we're only 15 minutes into the start of my shift. I've pretty much been in the mindset of work for 45 minutes. But, you know, if my shift starts at 7 a.m., it already started at 6.30 and now we're at 7.15. Um, and a lot of times for us, because like, we're a bigger agency, we run a lot of calls. I'm only 15 minutes into that uh, briefing and the sergeant, lieutenant, whoever it is, is saying, all right, go hit the road. I got a, uh, so it's early morning. I got an early morning domestic. So the, the first thing I'm doing at 7.45 in the morning, probably didn't even eat breakfast. Um, and I, this is this is just me. I don't. It, it's different for other people. A lot of times I go my 12 hours still without eating. I go a 12 hour shift with, without eating because of how busy I am. Um, so I'm going to a domestic. Uh, we'll just say for simplicity purposes, it's a, a male and female arguing about something. They're so drunk from the night before. And that's how I start my morning. Um, and normally what I would try to do as a patrolman, I would use the early morning because you would think that it's quieter. And I would type the reports. Every incident that I go on requires some type of documentation. The more uh, significant the I have involvement, the more documentation is concerned. So by nine o'clock in the morning, I'm already writing reports. I'm trying to do that. On top of that, I have to remain, I, I have to remain proactive. I have to be looking for actual criminal activity. I have to be looking for motor vehicle violations. I have to be doing all that stuff because that's part of my job. And while I'm sitting there, uh, when we have alert zones for serious incidents, I get an alert zone for an unconscious person not breathing. So by 930 in the morning, I've already dealt with that. And that just continues on and on. And I'm not like not all days are like that, but a lot of them are. And they, they just kind of have transitions. So on a day work for me, if my shift ended at seven o'clock, the other shifts getting out on the street, it's busy at that point in the day. So by the time I get to the police department, again, my shift's over at seven. Well, I'm not out the door at 730. So I've taken that that uh, 12 hour day and I've made it almost a 13, 14 hour day, not eating on top of that. I'm completely fatigued mentally and physically because of, of, of all the running around. And when I walk in the door, depending on how far the commute is, I mean, it's a, I have a longer commute now to work, but prior it was eight minutes. So I just, I'm expected to switch that off. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't even want to watch TV. I just want to look at the wall. Mm -hmm. Well, with that being said, I just want to say that I appreciate Nikki's unique look on being both the daughter of a cop and the sister of a cop and just taking the time to talk to us about it. So that's going to wrap up episode three. We're going to pick up with episode four next time, and that'll that'll be part two of Nikki's interview where we start talking about the challenges of being the spouse of a law enforcement officer. Um, she gives us a a pretty good insight um and there's some things that we're we're probably not looking at and a lot of you out there who are spouses of law enforcement officers probably thinking the same way maybe maybe we uh offer a little bit of a voice on how to uh, overcome some of these challenges so join us next time for part two of nikki's interview